0: Hello again, everyone. My name is Ryan Voss, and welcome back to Plated, Episode 2. Before we get started, I just want to sincerely thank everyone who listened to and shared Episode 1. I encourage you all to please keep the feedback coming. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It means means a real lot to me. Also, in case you missed it, uh, the show is now available in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that, so if you haven't subscribed yet, please go right ahead and do so. So, a few months ago, I was in the market for a new cast iron skillet. So, cast iron skillets are an integral part of the kitchen, thanks to their versatility, their durability, and their heat retention and all that. Uh, now, the thing is, to me, a cast iron skillet is not something to be taken lightly, no pun intended, uh, since, after all, it's, uh, it'll literally last you a lifetime. And it's something. if it's something that's uh, going to be around for a while, you might want to make sure you really love it, right? So after reading some reviews and getting out there and looking around and seeing what was available, I decided I want to try and find something a little different than all of the mass market skillets out there. And so my search eventually landed me here. In this episode, uh, I sit and chat with Peter Huntley who is the co-founder and CEO of Stargazer Cast Iron, based out in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, After looking at their products, I quickly knew that this was the one for me, and I placed my order right away, and I got to tell you, I absolutely love the thing. So after connecting with them and booking my interview, and uh, when I showed up, uh, Peter was actually kind enough to give me a tour of the shop, Uh, and it was really neat to see all of the, uh, the, the process that each skillet goes through before being shipped out to their customers. Uh, We talked a little bit uh, about the steps that each skillet takes from forge to stovetop uh, and how the company was founded. Uh, The entrepreneurial spirit is definitely strong at Stargazer, for sure. Um, But uh, don't just take my word for it. Let's hear what Pete had to say. Uh, Following the interview, uh, we'll go over a couple of cast iron use and care tips. And, of course, I'll have a recipe for you. So let's get on with the interview. Mr. Pete Huntley. uh of stargazer cast iron you got it i uh really appreciate you taking the time uh to to do this thank you so much um happy to do it it's uh it's it's really uh really means a lot seeing um you know because we uh as as i got here you know you you took me around the shop uh showed me around a little bit Mm -hmm. um thank you (laughs) because i had no idea what went into the thing that yeah you're welcome uh, (laughs) i just got in the mail a couple weeks ago and Mm -hmm. uh Uh, Full disclosure, uh, I did pay for it. You know, this is not a paid endorsement or anything. (laughs) Um, But again, thank you for showing me around the shop. I really appreciate it. Um, So, uh, again, I I had no idea that so much went into, um, you know, making what seems to be one of the most, you know, timeless and uh, simple pieces of cookware in the world. Yeah. Yeah. and say
1: three years ago, I didn't know either. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs>
0: so that's actually what I—that's actually kind of what I—what uh, I wanted to start out with. So,
1: what did you do <clears> before
0: <throat> co-founding uh, Stargazer? Uh,
1: I was a designer of different uh, types of things, different applications. Um, my job just before Stargazer was working for design in the dinnerware industry, which would be. Mostly ceramics and glass, and uh, I had done some graphics and some other um, those types of designs. Um, While at that job, I went shopping for a cast iron skillet just for myself, Mm -hmm. and that's where the search started. And uh, it went from there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how into it you want to (laughs) get.
0: I uh, I don't mind diving deep on uh, stuff like that. So um, you've we're just looking for a skillet, and was it was it just that, you know what, this isn't really up to snuff, I'm not really finding what I want?
1: Yeah, well, I had read, you know, I had some uh, cookbooks that I liked that they, the author had said, oh, try cooking this or that in a cast iron skillet, and mm-hmm. I didn't have one, and I thought, well, I better try it if they say so. And uh, there were only, at the time when I got the ball rolling on Stargazer, there were two other American-made options mm-hmm. And one was very cheap, and one was very expensive, um, and I couldn't understand the price difference. And I also didn't like the design of either. Mm-hmm. I thought one was um, had a just awkward design, and the other was sort of poor quality. And I thought uh, I thought I could do something better, and um, I thought there would be a place for something that wasn't one of those two options, I thought other people would be looking for something like that too. Mm-hmm. So I designed a skillet and I started talking to foundries and, uh, and that's where it started. Wow.
0: It's, uh, it's been a theme. I know this is, like I mentioned to you earlier, this has only been really episode two that I'm mm-hmm. doing so sure. far, right? Uh, but uh, a theme uh, that I've had so far is that kind of entrepreneurial spirit yeah and um, it's it's something like I mentioned you and uh, when we were corresponding via email is it's something that I admire about you guys very much uh, you. you know you, you had seen something that you went this isn't this isn't what I want so I'm gonna make what I want right and um, so you founded Stargazer with two other uh, gentlemen that was uh, Luke and Dan
1: right so in the summer of 2015 um, I quit my old job and I started designing skillets And uh, I changed the design, I don't know how many times over Mm. a few months and was um, in communication with all different foundries about what was doable and what wasn't and different types of machining and just Mm. educating myself. Um, And when it became clear that there was something happening, um, I gave Luke and Dan a call who the two of them are are college friends of mine. And I said, uh, there's something happening here. And if you want in, let's, let's do it.
0: That's great. That was actually going to be, uh, one of my, uh, one of my next questions. Like, how do you guys know each other? You know, do you go back or was this something like, uh, Hey, I'm looking for funding and I'm looking for people that are trying to, you know, start a business. You want to do this thing with me?
1: No, they were just, yeah. College friends. Uh, Luke was my roommate in college mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. So in the beginning I was the, the only full-time employee and Luke and Dan were just consulting with me and they're a sounding board and, um, and we ended up, uh, Luke and I are now both full-time Stargazer employees, wow. and we have a team of other people working for us, too.
0: Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned before you just started uh, Just started designing them. I mean, what, what goes into that? How do you design a skillet?
1: Um, yeah, I'm not sure how to explain that exactly. <laughs> I would say I went, I looked around, and um, I probably picked up and held in my hand every skillet of any material that's on the market right now and thought about, I really tried to dissect it in terms of uh, material thickness, the shape of the handle, the size of the handle, the height of the skillet, the shape of the rim. I mean, every every minutia, I don't know if that's the right word to use there, um, <laughs> just every just nitty gritty uh, thing that I can think of. And I, had, I ended up with sort of a, a wish list of, mm-hmm. this is what I like to see in a skillet, this to me makes it usable. And there were a couple, you know, sort of basic things like right off the bat, I thought if you're gonna put a helper handle on it, it should be a helper handle you can actually get your fingers in and really hold, really pick it up by the helper handle. Um, And then some things like um, the curve of the handle that I just thought, you know, certain cookware that I had picked up felt more natural in the hand than others and I tried to get one that was usable and felt comfortable in the hand um so i was using cad design software so 3d uh design where you're and in the beginning um actually i should say before that it's on paper so the first the first step to anything Mm -hmm. for me anyway is just a pencil and graph paper and i'm just sort of sketching on it and then when i get something that's starting to look right I can see, oh, the scale of it and it should be about this high versus this long. Mm -hmm. And once I have those general dimensions, then it goes into the computer. And then once you get it in three dimensions, it starts to raise all new questions of, oh, wait a second, when these two points meet, it doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, after we've done the computer problem solving, we go into 3D printing.
0: Right, and uh, you you did show me the samples that you had earlier. Uh, right, that was pretty awesome. And again, it, it, that's just an application of that that I would never think to like. Oh well, yeah, this makes perfect sense to to do this first, right? Right, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so picking up all of these different pieces of cookware and kind of going, okay, here's my wish list. I mean, has has cooking always been uh, a part of your life, or?
1: Um, I would say no. I would say that I don't. I don't come to this as a a cook I'm not a um, an awesome cook who wanted a better skillet because mm-hmm. there are certain things that I haven't been able to cook I come at this from a, a person who likes tools that work well and whether that's a um, I don't know a guitar that sounds good mm-hmm. or it's a skillet that cooks the way that you want a skillet to cook I'm thinking of this as a designer of products and a developer of products, and I want the skillet, you know, for the people that really do know what they're doing in the kitchen. Right. I would like the skillet to perform the way they want it to perform. Um, and that's how I'm thinking about it. And just from a general fascination with manufacturing and mm-hmm. just the, um, all the moving parts of this step and this followed by this step. And right. Right.
0: Which is which is kind of interesting to me because, uh, you know, coming at it from that perspective, because, you you know, you would think, okay well, you know, the guy started a company to make cookware. So clearly, you know, he's got to be all about this and here's what I want because of this and that. And yet you still have that wish list that makes your product really, really remarkable. Sure. Without having that sort of background. I don't know. Just to me, that's 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 a very interesting, uh, interesting take on it um, you know, it's, it's a bit more utilitarian, uh, you know, from a, like you said, a a tools perspective or, or, uh, you know, just, I want to make stuff, uh, perspective. And obviously as a business owner too, um, you know, I want to make sure I have the best product out there. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. So
0: what, speaking of, you know, what, what's on this, uh, maybe, uh, this wish list, if you will, maybe a couple of other, uh, options or a couple of other, uh, other items. I really, I can't talk. I'm doing a podcast and I can't even talk. This is amazing. (laughs) That's okay. What are some of the things that, so we have the sample on the table here. What are some of the things that, you know, you feel really set the stargazer uh, skillets apart from a lot of the competition out there? Right.
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing, the first I'd say wish list item was the machine cooking surface. Mm -hmm. And that was the, like my, that was the, the gateway into the all these other things right. that we ended up doing,
0: which actually, on a side note, not to derail, um, you know, but that was was one of the things that actually really attracted me to the, your skillet, right? Uh, was because again, I, I was in the market a couple of weeks ago for you know a new one, and mm-hmm. you know I happened to come across you guys and went, wow, okay, that's that's actually pretty awesome.
2: But anyway, yeah, I'm sorry, you. continue.
1: <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, so the the cooking surface. Uh, so I said there were two options on the market before Stargazer. Uh, before I started the development on this. And one had a machined surface and the other did not. And um, one was very cheap and one was extremely expensive. And I thought, there's no way the machining accounts for that entire (laughs) price difference, right? just from a knowledge of manufacturing sort of standpoint. So I thought, I bet I could make a machined skillet and I bet I could make it cheaper. Mm -hmm. And that was probably where the the thinking started. after that, like I said, the helper handle, um, weight is a big one. Oh, yeah. Um, which a lot of modern skillets are a lot heavier than most vintage skillets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that didn't make sense to me either, because I thought if everyone's so excited about the light ones, theres not there wasn't something that we knew how to do in the 1930s that we no longer know how to do. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I just needed to do the research and figure out how it was done then and see if that still made sense to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I knew that the weight could be brought down and um, also more tightly controlled uh, with CNC machining, which is computer numerically controlled is what CNC stands for. Wow. Um, so there were those two things. I'd say those are some main ones. And then there were the details that came later, like the flared rim, mm. um, which I couldn't the original version of our design had poor spouts and after fiddling with it for a while they just felt um it felt like the only reason to have poor spouts was the fact that cast iron skillets always have poor spouts and it didn't functionally make sense to me anymore Mm -hmm. so we got rid of those and put in the flared rim and then the uh the forked handle was the probably the last thing um which we, you know, I tried some different versions of it, and it does keep it cooler longer. So sure does. The fork handle was included.
0: That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'd
1: say that's the main list there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, it it really, you know, again, I, I, it, it sounds like I'm getting paid to say this, but I'm really not. It's a fantastic piece of cookware. Thank you. Um, I mean, being that you're in this business now, do you like? Do you find yourself in the kitchen a little bit more? You know, using your own products and going, eh, hey, you know, I could. I could get used to this. (laughs) I find
1: myself here more making skillets through dinner and not having as much time to cook is what I find. Um, But yeah, I definitely uh, enjoy cooking with our skillet Mm -hmm. when I find the time to do it. Nice. And um, I'm really, I'm incredibly proud of what we've accomplished. Um, But no, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily cooking more. (laughs) I should be. I have people tell me, all the time. Oh, I have your skillet and I cook with it every day. And I'm like, oh, that's that's great for you. I'm, I'm busy making
0: it. <laughs> Which is great because then more people can experience it. There you it, go. You know, it's, it's beautiful. So it, getting back to, um, you know, starting things up. So uh, you guys have been officially a company for uh, – it was roughly three years, you said, correct?
1: Um, yeah. I started the development process about three years ago. Okay. Um, and we officially – uh, filed our paperwork and opened for business in November of 2015. Wow. Our Kickstarter campaign, which was our wider sort of launch that right. a lot of people first uh, were aware of us, was February of 2016, mm-hmm. a couple months after that.
0: And if, if I recall right, uh, I think I, I took a look at some of the numbers uh, as I was doing a little bit of research for mm-hmm. this, um, and I, I think your Kickstarter was pretty far exceeded... Uh, what the goal was is it is yeah. that
1: correct I wish I knew the numbers off the top of my head I yeah, want to say we I, had a $10,000 goal and we made like 50 something thousand Wow wow So yeah we did we did well and it was the kind of thing that going into it you know I sat down with Luke and Dan and I thought mm-hmm. what should the goal be how interested are people really going to be and um, yeah it turns out 10,000 ended up being a fairly conservative estimate of how interested people were yeah. in this. <laughs> yeah. I'd
0: say so yeah Yeah um so in in the beginnings of this, as you guys are researching foundries and, and yeah. uh, you know sourcing iron and, and all that, uh, right? What is that process like early on in uh, in you know at, at the very beginnings of this company?
1: Um, in the very beginning, I'd say it was just talking to as many people as would talk to me, mm-hmm. as um, emailing and calling any foundry that I could find in any list of American foundries. Um, it was really important to us from the beginning to make everything here uh, yeah. domestically in the United States yeah um, it so happens that most of the foundries that are um, big and doing well seem to be clustered in the midwest mm-hmm. and that's where that's where we ended up as well um, but yeah talking to a lot of people and just learning about what what the casting process is and the inherent limitations of of the process and uh just you know probably just six months of of education in the right. beginning
0: i was gonna say that's gonna be an insane amount of work that was that was put into all that i mean you're, yeah. you're going from designing you know certain products you know right, right now to okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make iron products so i gotta learn about the casting process. I got to right. learn about metal. I got to learn about what a sand mold is. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's uh, that's it's pretty remarkable. And there's uh, you a know. surprising
1: amount of information that's, um, where the design of the product has to be catered to the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, you know, you would think that goes without saying, but mm-hmm. um, casting specifically, more than other materials, I've worked with um, the way the pattern and the sand mold. Uh, you just, you have to keep the process in mind and the, the design has to make sense for cast iron. Mm-hmm. And, um, there are ways that I could 3d print this skillet and it would come out great. And you would think this would be a very nice cast iron skillet, but there'd be no way to make that effectively through a cast iron, right, you know, molding and, uh, casting process. If that makes sense.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause you know, obviously th- there are limitations with pouring hot, molten iron into a mold and, you know, I, I right, you exactly. can't quite get this shape and, you know, etc. cetera. Um, and I know, you know, we, we did go through it before, but I did uh, briefly want to touch on it a little bit as, as you know, kind of a, a, a start to finish process of, uh, you know, we, we don't obviously don't have to go into as much detail yeah, sure. as we went to before, but if you'd like to feel free because uh, I geek out about this stuff and I always think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, step by step from when it comes out of the earth, mm-hmm. you know, it starts in space, <laughs> it right. crashes here as meteorites, <laughs> right? And you know we we mine it, uh, and then that's where you guys kind of come in, right? Um,
1: right. So the the vast majority of our iron, of the the iron that we pour with now is recycled. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which it's is actually like, really awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I try to. We put a lot of effort into into that part of it too. That was important to me. Um, so our iron is, I would say very much mostly recycled Mm -hmm. um our packaging is 100 percent recycled paper and uh anyway that's something we keep in mind nice um so it starts off as iron just raw parts and material that get melted down um iron is one of the hotter melting temperature metals as opposed to like aluminum or something iron is poured at i think it's about 2600 degrees fahrenheit (laughs) um so a lot of uh, molds that would be used for pouring other materials, like if you were casting plastics or a softer metal, um, a lot of molds can't, don't make sense for iron because the molten iron will destroy the mold. Right, and uh, it does destroy the mold, and that's why the molds are made out of sand. the The process we use is called green sand casting, which is sort of the the most common and the oldest. Uh, it's the traditional way to do it, mm-hmm. where you take wet sand and clay, it's called green because it's wet, and it gets um, packed in and smushed together with the pattern, the master pattern, and the master pattern is basically the shape of our skillet attached to a metal plate, and it gets pressed into the sand, and mm-hmm. it leaves an impression of the skillet in the sand, and it's very, it's packed in that the sand is like almost a solid object at that point. It's packed in under pressure. Right. Um, the, that sand goes down the line and gets iron poured into the cavity that the pattern left in the sand mm-hmm. and it cools in the sand. And when the iron is a solid object, when it's cooled in the sand, it goes down shakeout line where the sand gets shaken off. It's like a vibrating conveyor belt. Right. Um, and everything after that, that shape is, is set. So after the iron is cooled, it's not. Uh, other metals are the term they use is workable, mm-hmm. which means they can be hammered into shape, or um, a lot of the times steel would be forged or something like that. That's right. not cast iron. Mm-hmm. Once that iron cools, your only option is to grind away material. You can grind it away with abrasives, but the shape is the shape. Right. Um, so it goes from from there to machining. Uh, and at machining, it goes through a, uh, a CNC lathe. It gets turned on a CNC lathe where a, a cutting bit cuts away the all the excess material in the cooking surface. And uh, if you picture like a record spinning on a record player, that's more or less what this process looks like. And um, from there, it comes here to Stargazer headquarters where we do all of everything after that, which is... Uh, I don't know, it's like eight or 10 different steps of right. cleanup and surface finish treatment to get it exactly the surface finish we want in the cooking surface and to smooth out the outside and round, make sure it's comfortable in your hand, round over any sharp edges and this mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets washed and either gets seasoned or not seasoned. Um, one of the things that we do that I don't think any of our competitors do um, is we sell them seasoned or bare And about a quarter of our customers buy them bare Mm. um, because they want to season it themselves. And if that's the case, it gets coated in mineral oil just to protect it Mm -hmm. until they season it themselves. Or we season it here with two coats of our vegetable oil blend. And it gets boxed up and it ships to the customer right from here.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, So... You guys use a, uh, it's, it's uh, if I recall right, it's it's a like a specific blend that you guys kind of designed yourself uh, for seasoning.
1: Yeah, it's a blend of three different um, high smoke point oils. We use canola and grapeseed and sunflower oil. Mm. It's a blend of those three. Uh, we tried different oils early on. Um, really, any high smoke point oil is a pretty safe bet for a seasoning oil, mm-hmm. but that's the the cocktail that we settled on nice yeah <laughs>
0: good term by the way Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um so and and again uh, you know as, as we went through the uh the the warehouse and you kind of showed me around a little bit the actual process i mean it, it is there's there's a lot that goes into it. this is all done by hand it's uh, very once, once labor right yeah yeah so once everything arrives here it is taken station to station by hand and somebody performs each of those tasks
1: uh yeah there's like uh you know five or six different grinding steps um on various surfaces of the skillet and then the surface finish treatment and then it's seasoned by hand right um and that's that's the best way we've found to do it right um but yes very very labor-intensive yeah
0: um and seeing like some of the uh the the bare skillets in there too you know they're you think cast iron you think you know this hard black yeah exactly you know thing that's hanging up at you know mm-hmm. in your grandmother's kitchen and you know it weighs a thousand pounds right yours does not uh yours is i think it was on average if i recall correctly it was about a pound lighter than most of the uh comparable sizes out there
1: yeah um, ours is just over five pounds mm-hmm. um and we have a couple of competitors that are the in the just over six pounds mark Right. I want not name names. Right.
0: They're out there. <laughs> oh, they they certainly are. Um, so and I of course uh, I of course forgot to ask this before, but um, the uh, the smooth co- cooking surface on the inside was there <laughs> a particular reason for that other than aesthetics or?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it performs better is the short answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the sort of uh, cast iron. Um, the accepted wisdom about cast iron is that it doesn't matter that it's rough because over time it fills in and right. it'll work itself out. Um, and I that's uh, doesn't sit well with me. I right. think you shouldn't have to work a couple years to get your skillet working the way you want it. Mm-hmm. So the smoother finish will perform better in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say any cast iron has sort of a, a break-in period Yes, where you're uh, yeah, it's. Um, I don't know how to explain it other than that. You're you're cooking on it in the beginning, and after those first few times cooking on it, it performs better and better, and right. releases the food easier. But in general, the smoother finish releases the food easier, and it's uh, easier to clean.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah. I made a mental note about that before, and uh, naturally forgot about it. So
1: <laughs> the other thing with the machining is weight control, mm-hmm. um, which the way that we have the weight dialed in since casting is not a pr- very precise process right like casting the tolerances are like maybe 30 thousandths of an inch maybe like a 32nd of an inch which sounds like a small number people mm-hmm. would say that's very precise mm-hmm. but machining is incredibly precise right. machining is like within five or thousandths. Mm-hmm. um which means that we can control the weight within like a couple percent right of of our target weight um so the the original castings vary much more in weight than the final machined product do Mm -hmm. and it lets us dial in exactly the weight and exactly the thickness the material thickness that we're looking for right um and there's and that's sort of a compromise because a lot of people would think oh the lighter the cast iron is the better and that's not that's not the case it's just mm-hmm. not that simple mm-hmm. um, because with weight the heat retention is the function of the weight right mm-hmm. so the thicker the material is the heavier the skillet's gonna be and the more it's gonna hold that heat right which is what people like about cast iron mm-hmm. but at the same time if you have a 10 pound skillet it's you know it doesn't matter how well it retains it it's not really practical to use mm-hmm. and the more it retains the heat the the give-and-take there is that it gives you less control over the temperature, because mm-hmm. in the event that your food is burning, if you've got that stove right. set too hot, oh yeah, you can dial it back. But it's retaining that heat, and you don't, right? You can't change it on the fly like that, right? So you want it to retain the heat, I would say, within reason, mm-hmm. um, that you could dial back the heat and have your skillet cool in a reasonable amount of time, right? And so you're trying to find that balance of weight that it's manageable to handle versus heat retention versus temperature control, mm-hmm. and uh, we played with different thicknesses, and I took every skillet on the market, and I cut it in half and saw how thick it was. And <laughs>
0: How do you cut a skillet in half? With a hacksaw. <laughs> how long does gers. it take?
1: It took, this is like, I, I don't even know why I didn't, you know, buy power tools to do this, but this was very early on. Oh, you did it by hand, like with I an bought actual hacksaw? Yes, I oh bought like a $20 <laughs> hacksaw out on my back porch, sawed a few skillets in half.
0: The neighbors must have loved that. Yeah, in the what early stages
1: of, <laughs> of development. Wow. Yeah.
0: Jeez. I feel like that should be a competition somewhere. Hack sign. So, yeah. It. Like yeah. first person to do it wins the you know, there you go. I just gave you an idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you can hack through this in less than twenty minutes, you get a free cast, yeah. out, you know. Um that's uh that's pretty remarkable. And again, coming from that utilitarian uh here's why I do it. Right. You know, uh that's uh that's pretty interesting. Uh because again, you know, the when a lot of people that I know at least shop for a cast iron, they want something. Yeah. I want something that weighs 10 pounds and you know, it going to tilt my stove when I, when I put it on there because I want that right. heat retention and I want to make sure that, you know, when I throw a ribeye down there that it gets blackened on the outside. Yep. And, uh, on the flip side of that is, you know, obviously this is a food co- uh, podcast. I love to cook. You know, I like to be able to dial in the heat. Right. Uh, so I didn't know that that was a, that was a thing, you know, that you could Right. Um, you know, di- dial in a, uh, a precise thickness that you wanted. I remember you showed me up uh, uh before, you know, that everything is done by weight, and uh, uh yeah, it's within what, what was it? I think it was actually like three or four percent of the uh, yeah, that's of, right, yeah, wow. of the
1: advertised weight. Um, and uh, yeah, if anything is off weight, we'll check the thickness at a few different points with a caliper and we'll mm-hmm. see like where the weight variation is coming wow. from. But um, in general, the the, the iron itself doesn't vary that much, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the fine-tuning of um, weight and surface finish and these things comes at the machining step mm-hmm. Wow! where we can really dial it in.
0: About how many uh, skillets do you guys process a day?
1: Right now, we do like 50-something a day. Wow. On a workday, yeah.
0: And again, that is all by hand?
1: Uh, yes. We have... Um, Four employees, do fifty something skillets in a workday. Wow, wow, yeah,
0: and uh, so it, it's it's good to see you know again a a new uh, a newer company, you know expanding out, doing well. That's uh that's that's great to see and creating jobs. You know, you yeah. guys you guys are, you guys are just uh, firing on all cylinders here. That's that's beautiful. Um, so I did also want to uh, circle back a little bit more about you too. Mm-hmm. Um, so what excites you most about your job
1: hmm um, I'd say the most exciting part is um, is the customer reaction to the product okay um, everything we do is sort of hypothetical and turn like we can make a skillet that I think is great but that's not that's not all that satisfying like to put it out there and have and be validated by um our customers and fans that say you know i cook with your skillet and this Mm. is the best skillet i've ever used or whatever whatever superlatives they want (laughs) to give us um that's exciting and uh we do have like this core following now we have this group of like super fans where if I'm like checking in on Facebook or something, I'll see like the same faces popping up and I'm nice. raving about our product that <laughs> I love to see those people. So, Oh, that's great. I'd say that's the most exciting. Part. Always good to have fans,
0: right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh what's coming up for the future for you guys?
1: Uh, a 12 inch skillet is the next thing, um, that's in development now. So we get by far the most requests for that. Mm-hmm. Um, still like you know probably every day we have requests for a bigger skillet Mm -hmm. the 12 inch will be out later this year sometime it's hard to say and uh after that it's really going to depend on what what kind of feedback we get i mean i really we had a poll for the next size skillet i don't know a little while back and just uh see what people want from us yeah I mean, we'll end up making all kinds of things. We'll have this skillet in, I don't know, five or six sizes or something. and We'll mm-hmm. have Dutch ovens and we'll have...
0: Oh, man. Whatever
1: else you can oh. dream up. It's just a question <laughs> of what people want first.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's excellent. Um, so that was uh, roughly later this year, you said, right?
1: Yeah, we're still a few months out. Um, but I would say later this year mm-hmm. is the best I can do at this point.
0: Now, is there a difference in the design process? I mean, are you guys... Are, I, I'd imagine you're probably using things that you guys learned with the 10.5-inch on the 12-inch. Yeah. Uh, but, is, I mean, is there anything specific about that that will make that uh, a very particular or very special item? Or is it? are you guys looking at it as more of a, well, it's it's it has all the trademarks of, of a Stargazer. It's just a little bit bigger.
1: Um, I'd say it's mostly just a little bit bigger. I mean, there's a lot of details um, for me to address in terms of what the... The rules of the design are. Mm-hmm. So, when I go to like change a, a finalized design, like we have the 10.5 inch skillet mm-hmm. and that has a certain handle length and width and height, mm-hmm. and um, the flared rim is a certain radius and all these things, um, I sort of go back to the drawing board and decide well, if the diameter is bigger, how much does that increase the height, mm-hmm. if at all? Mm-hmm. How much does that increase the size of the helper handle and what makes sense and what doesn't? Um, so, no, I'd say. You know, the average person looking at the two of them side by side would say that's just a bigger skillet. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point, I've already answered you know fifteen or twenty fundamental questions right. about what what it means to have a bigger stargazer skillet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah,
0: and and again, you know, it, it's just interesting to think like, okay, well, just make it bigger, but not yeah. really the case, as you saw just just in your first product alone. Um, there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of people involved and there's a lot of, uh, you right. know, there's, you have to scale your manufacturing process to be able to accommodate this. Right. Uh, you have to change uh, your manufacturing process to accommodate this, you know, because this is going to be yeah something completely
1: different. And there's with, with every aspect of, of what we do to the skillets, there are certain things that can be scaled and certain things that have to be just sort of reinvented. Hmm. Okay. And like, um, you know, I'll try to think of an example. Um <laughs> All right, like early on doing the, the die grinding cleanup, we were just using a regular Dremel tool like you could buy at Home Depot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we were having enough skillets going through that we were like killing a Dremel tool every week. Right. So it got to the point where that doesn't make sense for this anymore. Mm-hmm. And we had to go look into air-powered tools and and what the next step of that specific grinding was. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do that job, but we can't do it that way anymore. And uh, with the 12-inch, it's it's a similar thing. It's it's those questions of, well, it's bigger, so what does that mean for each step of the process? Right. And if we're moving, you know, more volume, that's sort of one of my jobs is to always know what the limiting factor is. Because mm-hmm. if tomorrow I woke up and decided I wanted to process twice as many skillets. Mm-hmm. Would I have to add certain tools? Would certain tools have to be replaced? Would I have to hire twice the number of people? Right. That's really uh, a lot of what running this business is. Yeah,
0: yeah. Which I mean, and that's a uh, that's a something that could be said for any small business, right? Um, sure. Uh, a lot of people I find um, they kind of burn out a little bit quickly because they don't understand you have to stand before you can walk. Mm-hmm. And you have to walk before you can run, et cetera. You know, that's some Karate Kid wisdom.
1: uh, (laughs) A lot of the Stargazer learning curve is that we're not just a producer of products. Mm -hmm. I'd say we're actually covering, you could think of us as three different companies in one. One, Mm -hmm. we're the design house that makes these products. We're also one of the core manufacturing steps where my employees are actually processing and and the skillet isn't the skillet until we're done with it so Mm -hmm. it's not like we're just boxing and shipping the products i've designed Mm -hmm. we're also producing them um and then we're also the retailer of those products Mm -hmm. which we decided early on to to have our business be a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business Mm -hmm. so that we're not dealing with uh retailers and any sort of distributors and and middlemen in the process Mm -hmm. um Well, that also means I have to think about this like an e-commerce retailer. And what does that mean in terms of running a website and Mm. marketing and, Mm. uh, these types of questions. So I have my, my brain thinking a little bit about those three areas at any given time. I'm juggling those, those different parts of what stargazer is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, again, uh just seeing the, uh, the growth over the years, it's, it's pretty impressive. And it's, uh, thanks it's, very much. It's, oh no, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, now there were, uh, there were a couple of other, uh, quick questions I had. Uh, however, um, there's one that I made, it was another mental note. Um, and just because, you know, I geek out about stuff like this, mm-hmm. uh, the name stargazer who came up with it. That was mine. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where did uh, where did it come from?
1: There was a lot of brainstorming with the different brand names in the beginning. Okay. And uh, I wanted something that was personal, and I wanted something that felt um, timeless, which sounds cheesy. But there, there are certain words that give you, um, particularly in this market, there are words that have sort of an old-timey... Uh, indication because of the nostalgia with cast iron Mm -hmm. the obvious choices would be words that harken back to the good old days there you go and we didn't want that we wanted something that was as much now as it was then and so on Mm -hmm. um and i'm just an astronomy buff all right
0: uh, all right we're getting into some cool territory here yeah
1: (laughs) and i like space travel and these kinds of things nice So, yeah, anyway, we had like a topic brainstorming of what are the things that are personal that would be nice to include those in the name. And I had a list of astronomy names and uh, (laughs) Stargazer won the, yeah, won the vote.
0: Nice. Nice. Were there any others that uh, you were kind of like, ah, I wish it would have went that way?
1: (laughs) Uh, No, we had names of like different like space travel stuff. Like
0: Like the Falcon 9 skillet, the Falcon Heavy skillet. Apollo. Apollo, Apollo, there you go. (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, I don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah a lot of them were of just them. like too two wordy. That was the other thing is it gotcha. like I wanted a one word thing. Yes. And uh and then there's the debate of well what is stargazer ironworks stargazer mm-hmm. cookware like mm-hmm. what is the mm-hmm. and uh stargazer cast iron. Nice that's beautiful yeah
0: uh, you know again I, I'm a I'm a bit of an astronomy nerd myself you know I, I mm-hmm. love I love stuff like that I d- just found out cosmos is coming back for a season two so oh yeah I hadn't heard that so, yeah that's yeah great. so it was, uh, was like, all right cool more people will see this That's yeah. that's what I like um, so uh, and and again you know the reference to well it starts out in stars and then becomes meteors and then you know yeah <laughs> had to throw that in but uh yeah <laughs> it's uh that's that that's that's great that's that's nice to hear um so you know we have uh, a musical uh commonalities and uh you know (laughs) another always nice to meet another metal guy literally and figuratively because there's metal all around us there you go (laughs) um so i have uh what i i call my kind of my hacky lightning round thing um sure (laughs) so it's it's I did this, uh, the, uh, the last episode that I recorded and, um, my wife, when I played it back to her, uh, was like, you know what? I actually like that. I think that's kind of cool. So I'm like, all right, you know, maybe I'll make it sort of a thing and I'll, I'll rotate some of the questions in and out, but you know, do it for fun for now. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll so, try it. Yeah. Why not? Right. Um, so there's four of them here. One or the other. First thing that comes to your mind. All right.
2: One or the other. Okay. One or the
0: other. Um, and if none, you know, none, none of the above is also an, an acceptable sure. answer. Uh, white or red?
1: Uh, wine, of course. Oh, wine! I don't even drink. Oh man! So neither.
0: Neither, man. That's a that's a first for episode two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking or baking?
1: Uh, probably baking.
0: Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. And, uh, you can bake with cast iron, so you can. I make an
1: excellent <laughs> skillet cornbread. Nice. And uh, Is I that like the
0: recipe that was there. There's one on the website, if I if I recall right. right? Oh yeah,
1: you'd have to ask Luke. He's the, the keeper of the okay. recipes.
0: So I, I just thought I remember seeing like something associated with you guys where it was like a skillet cornbread.
1: Oh yeah, we've definitely done one for a photo shoot. Okay. I All don't right. know that that was my personal recipe. But, <laughs> um, well, I'm not gonna disclose any secrets here or anything, okay. you know. So yeah, no course. worries.
0: Uh, wow, that's 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 pretty awesome and again you know that that heat transference uh you know was great for a pie crust so you know (laughs) yeah i like
1: the the precision with baking like cooking Mm. is like is this loose thing where you're tasting as you go and baking is about precise measurements to yield a certain product right right and there's sort of like the magic that happens in the oven where it goes in as one thing and comes out as something else oh yeah there was somebody uh, who told me years ago
0: that uh uh Great cooks are usually great scientists, mm-hmm. but great bakers are, like, chemists. Yeah, like, right. Because you have to be exact. Yes, chemistry. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, okay, the next one is vanilla or chocolate?
1: I'm going to say chocolate.
0: Of course, that's the correct answer. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and the last one is uh, cake or pie?
1: Oh, pie. Ooh,
0: all right, interesting.
1: Yeah, that's an ongoing debate with my girlfriend and I. She's a big <laughs> cake person.
0: Really? I'm, I'll go I'm, for the pie any yeah, day of the other week. I'm the exact opposite with uh, my wife. Oh, yeah. So I, I, this, this, this may be, uh, you know, uh, the same thing over again because uh, the the last episode that I recorded, uh, the answer was cake. And I was like, yes, okay, good. Mm-hmm. More of us. This is this is great. Uh, so my wife hates cake. Okay. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, cool. More for me. So yeah, yeah She's the pie person, on the cake person. So yeah. You got a pie <laughs> vote here. That's great. That's great. Um, so. As we wrap up here, uh, where can people find you guys?
1: StargazerCastIron.com.
0: Okay, um, I can also I'll, I'll be sure to obviously throw a link to that in the uh, the show notes for this once it posts up. Thanks very much. Uh, I think you guys are on Twitter as well. I think it's uh, at StargazerCastIron. I, I can't quite remember the handle.
1: Yeah, we're on uh, all your all your favorite platforms. There's <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. We're most active on Facebook and Instagram, but we got a Twitter and a Pinterest. Any YouTube, nice. wherever people wow. want to find us, <laughs> you're there. If you, actually, if you go to our homepage, there's links to all of our social accounts on the the header of the beautiful.
0: Homepage. Yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll be sure to link all that in the notes once once this post up. But uh, Pete, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Thank uh, you. It great business you have. Great product you have. Uh, it's really cool to talk to you, get to know you a little bit. Great to meet uh, you. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you again to Pete for hosting me and showing me around the shop. Links to Stargazer Cast Iron will be posted in the show notes for this episode. Now for some of you out there who may feel intimidated by these big heavy pans, you may be saying to yourself, doesn't cast iron require a lot of extra upkeep? I can't ever wash it, so doesn't it get all gunked up? What if my pan rusts? And what the hell is seasoning? Well, let's address some of these questions right here and now. First of all... Cast-iron pans only require a little bit of extra TLC than normal cookware to stay in good shape. But that's the price you pay for having a piece of cookware that literally lasts you forever. As for never washing it, completely untrue. Contrary to popular belief, you can absolutely use dish soap to clean out your cast-iron cookware. The reason why this supposed rule exists today is because years ago, soaps were made with these harsh chemicals like lye, which would completely strip out all of the non-stick coating that you've built up all the way down to the bare metal. So, as for washing, as long as you make sure you dry your pan thoroughly, you'll avoid rusting, and it'll be totally fine. A good way to do this is to just wipe the skillet down with a towel after you wash it, and put it on the stove over a low flame for a few minutes. If you start to notice any rust spots, no big deal. Just scrub them out with a scouring pad, Dry the skillet off and re-season it. Now, what's seasoning you ask? (laughs) Common question, well, seasoning is a layer of oil that literally gets cooked into the metal to form a natural non-stick coating. Many people feel that the best way to break in a new cast iron skillet is to cook bacon in it as soon as it comes out of the package. Also slightly untrue, you don't really have to do that. Seasoning itself is actually a really simple process. First things first, just preheat your oven to about 225 degrees Fahrenheit. Make sure you put like an oven liner or something in there to catch anything that might fall off of the skillet during the seasoning process. Now thoroughly wash your skillet with soap and water and dry it off. Then place it upside down in the oven for about 10 minutes. Then carefully take it out, put it on the stovetop or somewhere else that's heat safe. In the meantime, crank the oven up to about 475 degrees Fahrenheit. Then use a clean cloth to just rub a layer of vegetable oil all over the skillet, and I mean all over, inside, outside, the handles, everything. Avoid oils with a low smoke point, like olive oil, uh, because that's just going to burn into the iron, and you're just going to wind up with a sticky, rancid mess. So stick with vegetable oil. Now, wipe off any excess with another clean cloth, then place the skillet back in the oven upside down and let it bake at 475 degrees for about an hour. Now, after an hour, turn the oven off and let it cool inside the oven. And that's it. It's a simple process. If you like, uh, you can also use uh, seasoning products like a crispy stick uh, to season your pans. Uh, they just look like a little hockey puck, or some of them come in like a little deodorant type uh, container. Um, you literally just rub that over the skillet instead of uh, rubbing vegetable oil over it, and uh, that's pre- that's pretty much it. Um, the rest of the process is basically the same. Now that your new pan is seasoned, how about we make some skillet cornbread? <laughs> so the ingredients you're gonna need for this are one and one quarter cups of milk, one cup of cornmeal one cup of white whole wheat or all-purpose flour, four teaspoons of baking powder, three quarters of a teaspoon of kosher salt, two eggs that have been beaten, one quarter cup of unsalted butter, melted, a half a cup of maple syrup, and one tablespoon or so of vegetable oil. So first thing, preheat your oven to about 425 degrees, Then place your cast-iron skillet in the oven to warm it up First you're going to mix your milk and your cornmeal together in a small bowl and just let that soak for about 10 minutes Just to hydrate the cornmeal Then you're going to sift together your flour your baking powder and salt in a mixing bowl and then in another bowl beat the cornmeal mixture the eggs the butter and the maple syrup into the flour mixture until you have a smooth batter. Should take you about a minute or so. Then again, carefully (laughs) remove the skillet from the oven. (laughs) Carefully. (laughs) And then get your tablespoon or so of vegetable oil and uh, just pour that in the skillet. Kind of swirl it around a little bit just to coat it. Any excess, just pour it off. Then take your batter, pour that into the skillet, place it in the oven, Uh, Let it bake for about 18 to 23 minutes is what the recipe calls for. But uh, I know a lot of you out there are all skilled bakers. And as you know, uh, all you need to do is just put a toothpick into the center. And if that comes out clean, you're done. (laughs) So this recipe is actually from Stargazer's Cast Iron Starter Kit, which has a bunch of great cooking tips and recipes and all that great stuff. Uh, That's available at stargazercastiron.com. Slash starter dash kit. Now I'll put a link to that in the show description as well. Uh, it's a it's a great read. So I think that wraps it up for episode two. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can be a part of the show by sending in your questions, comments, recipes, or whatever to platedpodcast at gmail.com. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this show, please consider heading over to patreon.com slash platedpodcast and tossing me a buck. Your support helps keep this all going, and you get some cool perks too, like early access to each episode. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon.